Raw Take, everyone, the Lifeline to your unfiltered media experience. And before we start the show, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. I'm your host, Dion Thomas, and this is my co-host, Archie, and this is the Monday live stream. And we have tech, we have Chase West, candidate for Texas rep. How's it going, Chase? It's going, man. How you doing? It's going great, man. I'm doing well, man. Um, so Chase, tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. What what made you want to uh, run for office? So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a Houston native. Um, I've lived out in this area since I was two years old. Uh, the first house that my parents bought, I could actually walk to Caddy Corner uh, from where I live now. Um, kind of the thing about this community is, it's a place where like families move. And like it, they don't they don't leave, and then their kids grow up and they raise their families here, you know. So, a lot of the people that I live around are people that I grew up with, uh, went to some of the same schools, and what I've seen just throughout time uh, with our local representatives is that the people that are elected, they they aren't they aren't doing anything in the communities. They show up when it's you know when there's a catastrophe. Uh, you know, they show up when it's election season, they're knocking on your door asking for your money. But, you know, in the daily stuff, when they're not in session, they're, they're, they're nowhere to be found. And the one we have currently is nowhere to be found half the time anyway, uh, even when he is in session. Uh, and, and, you know, I've been into politics for a long time, uh, since I was about eight. And, like, I know I'm a weirdo because I'm one of the few people who can sit there and watch, like, you know, national and local politics and stream the Texas Ledge sessions, you know, online and stuff. Most people can't put up with that. Uh, but I mean, I'm just, I'm a regular guy. Um, you know, I'm not rich. I'm not a lawyer. I'm a musician. Uh, you know, I, I'm not your normal uh, politician because I'm not a politician. Um, and, you know, someone's got to stand up and actually, you know, take into account what the people of this area want and, and, and are asking for. And I haven't seen it by politicians. So I, I'm throwing my hat in the ring and I'm gonna see what happens. You know, I wanna make some positive change. Exactly, man. Uh, and you know, on the show, that is one thing we always talk about. Politicians only show up when it's most convenient for them and when they want your vote. And, you know, we need a politician who's going to be there 365, you know, because our, our needs are 365. There's a lot of plights that we are facing. And, and you know, just the fact that you're saying that, man, you know, that, that, that puts you far above a lot of candidates because a lot of people run for office and they just want to, you know, they, they do it for, for, for themselves. They get into office to, to boot themselves up. And and it just sounds like from what you just said right there, man. That's you're 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 more about the community and giving back to the community. So Chase, tell us a little bit about your platform. I mean, my my platform is is it's very in line with the Texas Democratic Party's platform, uh, except you know on some issues I'm not as I guess anti or you know pro as they may be. Uh, you know, one of the things that I think lost us, uh, you know, the House seat in this past election uh, was the gun control issue. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a volunteer with Moms Demand Action in every town. You know, I, I'm for responsible uh, gun laws, but like I'm not anti-gun. Um, and I mean, a lot of my, you know, 
uh, Democratic friends, neighbors and stuff are completely anti-gun. No one should have guns, blah, blah, blah. It's the Wild West out here. And, and I just, I don't agree with that. And being, you know, in Texas and from Texas, I don't think the people of this area as a whole agree with that. So, I mean, you know, I'm for responsible gun ownership and, you know, the Second Amendment's there. I don't see any reason to get rid of it. Um, you know, they, they put that stuff in there for a reason. Um, so, I mean, that's one of the big things that kind of separates me. Um, I don't want to say I'm a moderate uh, because I'm not. Um, a lot of people like to say, you know, I'm, you know, true blue 100% or I'm, you know, red till I'm dead or whatever. And, you know, even at the beginning of this campaign, you know, because of kind of the way I think and, and kind of see both sides, I was saying, okay, my hashtag is going to be, you know, hashtag bleed purple. And, you know, I started kind of pushing that at the beginning of, of the campaign. And, you know, I realized about two months ago, that's wrong too. Um, I think that, that, you know, this country as a whole is kind of like uh, red and blue plaid. You know, there's going to be some areas that are very blue, some areas that are very red, some areas that are white, and then there's going to be mixes in between. And, you know, I think that a lot of our representatives don't realize that. And they're like, well, I got to make everyone happy. You're never going to do that. And they're like, well, I got to make everyone in my party happy. Huh. You're never going to do that either. I mean, I, th I think if you just kind of, you know, follow your gut and follow what you know is right, you don't have to be full on blue. You don't have to be full on red. You don't have to be purple. Like you can realize that we have to work together and, and be, you know, both sides of the same coin because that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, man, uh, that we, that's something we always talk about. Uh, people get too caught up in the red versus blue battle. It's almost like a gang war if he was to think about it. I mean, that's it really all it is. It, it, it's Crips versus Bloods. And it, it, it's that's, you know, that's asinine. It, it, it's at the end of the day, like you said, you have to go with your gut and you have to go with what the people want. I mean, the people are going to always tell you what they want, what they need. And I think a lot of politicians just feel like they know what the people need instead of mm -hmm. actually listening to what the people need. And so uh, I think that's wonderful, man, that, that, you're, that you're bringing politics back to a, a, a local level. Um, I, I think that's really perfect. Um, so let's, so first hundred days, you get in office, you're in there, you win. What, what first hundred days, what does it look like? probably a bloodbath because everyone would hate me uh, <laughs> because I mean one of one of the one of the keystones of my whole platform is I want term limits yeah for every state elected official um you know when I was kind of developing my platform I was looking at, at the different options of times and stuff to make something uniform and you know I kind of went back and forth between eight and then 16 years and I was like you know what 12 years and the way I came up with that is, you know, so in the Texas House, you know, uh, one, you know, one term is two years. So mm -hmm. say a, you know, a House member serves, you know, six, six, you know, ses or six terms in the House. Well, that's 12 years they've been in that job. Um, you know, any community, you know, we all kind of change with the decades. So in 12 years, like the needs of the community are going to change as well. And when you've got representatives who've been there for 25, 30, however many years, 
they're they're not going to change with their community. And if they're incumbents, I mean, they just get elected over and over and over again, and it's so easy. But with the way that I want to impose the term limits, so say you become a House representative, you serve your 12 years. Well, then you can go and, and run for Texas State Senate if you want, and you could serve 12 years there. And then if you want to keep serving, which that's great, you know, if you're doing a great job and people really want you in public service, well, hey, you can run for attorney general, you can run for governor, lieutenant governor, whatever. Uh, you know, so, I mean, I think it keeps the wheels moving, keeps things yeah. fresh, um, you know, and it also doesn't allow for, you know, one particular, uh, you know, house member to be a part of, you know, multiple uh, redistricting sessions, uh, yeah. which I think is very important. Yeah, man, I think that's very important. Term limits are, are hugely important because, you know, people stay in office forever. And then, you, like you said, they, they lose touch with the community. Um, you know, they're, they're talking about stuff that was happening 10 years ago. And so you're just not really governing for, for your constituents now. So yeah. I, I think term limits is something that's needed all throughout politics. Uh, and, you know, we need to get rid of these career politicians. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely agree with that, man. And, and yes, move up. Don't stay in this one position for 15, 20 years. And, yeah. and you know, that, you know <laughs> an aspect of corruption comes with that. You know, oh, yeah. if you're in that office for 20 years, you know, you know so many people, you can pull so many, mm -hmm. so many like backdoor deals that can wind up not being good for the people and just being good yeah. for, for, for you and maybe your donors. So I think term limits is something that is greatly needed throughout all politics. Uh, it, it's just it's just something that that we need in this country. Uh, the fact it, is, just, things things don't stay the same either. You know, um, no. things evolve. People people don't stay the same. Situations don't stay the same. So somebody with that the same mentality back in, like this guy, this guy, uh, the former a former mayor of Stafford, had been mayor for like forty something years. Think that's yeah, ridiculous, think was, man. Yeah. That's asinine. Yeah. Hey, you know what? The only way he got out of office was he passed. He died. He passed away. Wow. And, wow. and I mean, that's yeah. something. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Chase. Go ahead. I'm just saying, you know, it, it, it's it's something that we see all the time. And, and you know, I recognize that, you know, say some of the House members for 12 years and they go on and become a senator. Yeah, they still have their connections. And, you know, they're still going to be, I mean, there's always going to be backdoor stuff happening. Uh, you're not going to stop it. Uh, I mean, it's, it's it's all based on integrity. So, I mean, I realize that 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 stuff will still exist, but I think you know when you when you're faced with your own mortality, you know, as a, a an analogy, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> when you're yes. faced with that, like, you're, I think you're more inclined to actually do your job uh, as opposed to you know trying to make these you know, big friends with, you know, lots of money. You know, I think if you know, I've only got 12 years here, uh, Max, you know, I think you're more inclined to do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely holds people feet to the fire and it makes them more active. Like you're saying like, oh, I have to do something or, you know, I could get out and then, um, you know, then I can. So, so Chase, this is what, I, this is what I have. This is a question that I have. So what's no. your... With this policy that you wrote on term limits, now if now can they, if they lose a term, does does that like reset? 
or is it like no. uh, six sessions altogether, or is it just six sessions in total, or six terms in total? Uh, well, I mean, so, I mean, not every uh, official has a two-year term, but just, we'll just use the house, for example. Mm -hmm. Like, say you win, you know, two elections, then you lose two elections. Well, you've still got four that you can, you know, win. I mean, it, it, it's 12 years total in one, you know, position. Yeah. Uh, and uh, because of redistricting and stuff, no, it would not cover, you know, if you change districts, because that's just, that's a cop out. I mean, if you've been a state representative for 12 years, that's it, you know? Um, you know, same with, you know, state senator and, you know, the other positions. Yeah. So, Jay, this is another question I have. Tell us a little about the redistricting of this district. I know that uh, things are kind of up in the air with this district because uh, they're going to uh, redistrict the lines and the candidates kind of don't know where their constituents are going to be at. So can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I can. I was hoping that you would know something. No. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's very up in the air. And there's so many balls in the court and there's so many deadlines that uh, Abbott might have shot himself in the foot uh, with his veto of Article 10 uh, because, like, so August 20th, if we don't have legislative funding, the council that you know approves any kind of redistricting or anything like that, they're not paid, so they don't work. Um, and there's also a, a deal in the Texas Constitution that says that redistricting has to be done in the regular session. Otherwise, the Texas Legislative Council, I believe it's called, which is the governor, lieutenant governor, speaker of the house, and someone else who I don't remember, they basically draw the uh, state legislative lines and that's it. Um, but they have to do that within like 90 days of the end of the regular session, which mm -hmm. there, there's no evidence of that happening. Um, so, I mean, there's also a talk of it possibly being postponed until the 88th legislative session, uh, which would be in 2023. No one knows. But the way I look at it, you know, as far as, <clears throat> me running I mean right now I'm in the district I'm in and I know that the people in my neighborhood will be in that same district and probably the people within you know square mile maybe two square miles will be in the same district as me um, from the maps that I've seen um, it's looking like you know I would either stay in the same district I'm in or I would move to another district that also has a Republican incumbent so I have no problem running against them either um, because both the Republicans in this area, I think have failed their constituents and I think I can go toe to toe with them. Yeah, man. I, I believe you can too, bro. Uh, so this is another question. How do you feel about, uh, the, the Texas Democrats that, uh, you know, some people in the media have said they fled, but I don't think they fled. I think that was probably one of the strongest things the Democrats have done in a while. Uh, when they uh, when the House uh, Texas Democrats uh, went to uh, D.C. So what what are what are your thoughts on that? So um, when they broke quorum in May uh, on the last day of the legislative session, mm -hmm. that was awesome. Like they had they had used up every resource they possibly had, and they're like, okay, this is our last ditch effort. Uh, while I support them, 
going to DC and mm-hmm. breaking quorum again, I think it was a little ill-timed. Um, you know, there wasn't a vote coming up on the, the Jim Crow 2.0 stuff just yet. I think they could have gotten some other business handled and then gone. But okay. I mean, that's just based off the information I have. I wasn't there. Yeah. Like I, I didn't know, you know, exactly what was on their calendars and if they were going to be forced to vote the very next day. I don't know, but just based off the information I had, it seemed like it was, you know, a little early. Yeah. But still, but still a right move. So I, oh, I, yeah. I see exactly, I see exactly what you're saying. So yeah. Um, what? Uh, so let's let's go back into your platform, man. Tell us, tell us some of the things that you are running on. Well, uh, so I told you about uh, the term limits. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm kind of running on the idea of not being a politician. Um, I am definitely not your normal uh, politician type person. Uh, I'm not rich. Uh, I am a white male. So, you know, that kind of puts me (laughs) in that category. But, um, you know, I I own a commercial recording studio. Like, I'm I'm an art guy. I'm a musician. Um, I've got tattoos all over my arm which you usually don't see uh, on the campaign trail um you know i'm not a big fan of you know wearing suits and stuff obviously if that's part of the decorum of being on the house floor i'll do it but you know on the, on the campaign trail i'm not going to be that fake guy who's walking around in a suit all the time and you know kissing babies and stuff like i just i, I don't have time to, to sit there and put on a fake persona you know yeah i, I just want to be real um you know, I think most of the people in my district are pretty similar to me as far as an income level, uh, education level, uh, stuff like that, you know, and I think they kind of will respect that. Um, and as much as I hate to give him any credit for anything, I mean, I think Donald Trump kind of paved the way for that type of politician to emerge. Yes, uh, yes. Because, you know, obviously he was not qualified for his job not saying i'm not qualified but um i'm a regular guy um you know i'm also running on uh, the legalization of recreational cannabis um not medical like full-on recreational um you know your basic stuff uh you know i want to expand uh medical coverage you know uh want to expand medicaid and also uh kind of broaden the scope of what it covers Cause there's a lot of stuff that, you know, people who are on Medicaid, who you know approved, they've been on it forever. They may have certain things that are not covered that really need to be covered. Hmm. Yeah, man. Uh, so let's talk about the legalization of cannabis uh, that, you know, you don't have too many candidates running on that. And I know as, as a political strategist, that is something that I have told many candidates in private, Hey, you need to jump on this because uh, just look at Denver, just look at California, all the other states that have uh, legalized marijuana and all that money that it has bought to the state and how that money gets used for schools, roads, bridges. It's just it's just helping the infrastructure and, and helping helping kids. And, you yeah. know, just getting rid of that, that whole entire stigma of marijuana that, oh, if you smoke, then you're a vegetable. You're not going to do anything all day. You're lazy. And so, you know, man, I, I think that's, I think that's really bold. And I think that's, that's really good. You know, that's a very progressive idea to run on 
uh, the, the legalization, especially the, the recreational use of marijuana. So I, I give you very big kudos to that, man, because, you know, some people feel like because they are in the state of Texas that they have to run a such a moderate uh, campaign, especially if you're running as a Democrat. And, I, and I, I don't think that's the case. I think you can run on really pretty much anything. It, it all depends upon the messaging. You know, people are so afraid of words like socialism and stuff like that. But when you look at roads, bridges, <coughs> cops, military, everything like that, those are all paid for social dollars. So mm -hmm. you, you want to, you know, people on the right, they want to back the blue. But, you know, backing the blue are, are, are having financial support for the, for the cops. That, that's a socialistic aspect. That's paid for by the people. So right. I, I just... Like I said, man, I think, uh, you know, words and terms get, get thrown around and running on cannabis is a, is a really good uh, thing for Texas. I think if people was to run on that more, if more Democrats to, were to run on that, uh, we would see more people in office. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, just think about a lot of the problems that Texas has. Um, I mean, we don't really have a funding problem right now, but, you know, look at property taxes. Uh, people have been, you know, just getting drenched in property taxes, and the Republicans have been promising for decades, oh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna take care of it. We're gonna lower your property taxes, and I mean, we've had uh, a Republican trifecta for what thirty years now, something like that. Yeah. Uh, in the, I mean, they haven't done it, and they want to blame the Democrats. Well, you know, last year alone, Colorado brought, brought in three hundred eighty-seven million dollars in marijuana tax revenue. So think about how much we could take from property taxes that we're charging people from that, you know, just to give them some relief. And then we could put some towards education. Then we could put some towards community health centers and then put more towards infrastructure and, and you know, funding the police and, you know, all these other programs. Like there's so much money to be made. And then, you know, we also have an employment, you know, problem. People don't have jobs or, or at least sustaining jobs in Texas. They, they estimate 25 to 30,000 new jobs in the cannabis industry in the next five years. So why can't Texas have some of those? Um, and then, you know, kind of people ask, well, you know, why not just for, for medical? Because, you know, it's, it's, if, it, if you want it to be medicine, you know, it should just be medical. Well, the problem with that. And you, I know you're from New Orleans, so I don't think you were here uh, when that was going down. But in the mid 2000s to about okay. 2011, 2012, there was a huge opioid crisis in Houston, okay. and there were there were pill mills on every corner. You'd go to the doctor, you tell them, "Oh, my back hurts," and they'd write you scripts for you know, opioids. They'd write you scripts for benzos. They'd write you scripts for muscle relaxers. And this was an industry that, you know, elected officials, the cops, the big pharma, everyone was in on. And people were dying of overdoses left and right. Now, granted, you can't, you know, overdose on, on marijuana. But if we open the gateway just for medical, we're going to have, have weed mills. And, and, yeah. and, like, who are we helping with that? Because anyone who wants it is going to be able to get their medical marijuana card and going to be able to get so why not just you know go straight because ev everyone who's done the medical thing has gone to recreational 
So yeah. why not, you know, learn from their mistakes and just do it? You know, it, it's a lot safer than alcohol. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I personally, I can't stand it. Which people are like, really? Like you're pro weed, but you can't stand it? No, <laughs> I hate it. I hate the way it makes me feel. Uh, I was young once and, and you know, it's not my thing. Yeah. But, you know, I see the benefits that it has. And, you know, if we treat it, you know, criminal like criminally like we do you know, alcohol, got to be 21. Don't drive messed up. I, I just I don't see the cons to legalizing. I really yeah. don't. Yeah, Chase. Uh, I mean, we still have those same pill mills, man. Like, I, I, I don't know if they're on every corner, but I know since I graduated, I graduated out here in Texas in 2011 from Katy High School. And since I've graduated, man, I've lost on hand like seven or eight friends from this opioid epidemic. And mm -hmm. it's just it's just sad, you know. Because you, it's, these are young kids who didn't even get to make it to their 30s, who some didn't even get it to make it to their 25, to their 25th birthday, and, and they passed away. And, you know, like you said, man, so many people are benefiting from this. Big Pharma, uh, the police, because they didn't have to arrest people. You know, it's just so, it's just, it's just such a money thing. It's just such a money pyramid. And, yeah. you know, it, I, another way that I look at it, it's a freedom thing. People in America should have, you have the right to do what you want to do with your body. If you want to smoke a little bit, bit of bud, then that should be your right. You should, <laughs> the government shouldn't have to tell you, hey, you can't smoke weed. Like, what? <laughs> so I, 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 I definitely, like I said, man, that is, that is really, really good that you're running on cannabis, term limits, very, uh, I don't, and, and you're, you kind of, you said you're a regular guy, but you know, you know, people are going to try and throw a label on you. Um, what If somebody was to call you like a progressive candidate, would you would you take that term or would you kind of like shun away from it or it just doesn't really matter? I mean, I, I'd, I'd take it happily because even though the modern definition of progressive would be left wing, you mm -hmm. know, if you really look at the root of the word, progressive means progress, right. looking towards the future. I exactly. don't care if you're Republican or Democrat if you are progressing the narrative and not just sitting still, you can call me progressive all day long. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I have no problem with that. And I think, you know, we tend to subcategorize, you know, our, I mean, we even do it. We subcategorize ourselves into so many different little, you know, uh, niche genres and yeah. it almost seems exclusive. And I mean, I think that's- It's that's clickish, it's very clickish, like high school. And I mean, that's one of the repeat, one of the reasons I think Republicans are so like weary of the Democratic platform, uh, because, you know, as much as I agree with most of the platform, we are the best at singling out ourselves for our uniqueness and not letting anyone else sit at our table. Um, and that's that's one of our big issues that we need to address as a party, uh, because that scares people. Yeah. Yeah, we, we have to let more people in. And, uh, you know, I think we have to bring more of the younger generation in and you have to speak to them. Uh, you know, that's one of the things that we do with my organization, POP, Protest, Organize and Participate. You know, it, it's bridging that gap between the, the old generation and the new generation. And just, you know, so they can better understand 
um, the the younger generation. And Chase, I mean, you you, bro, you look very young for like most people that are running for office. So you know that that's another plus. You know that you know people like if I was to look at you or if I was to look at somebody like in their fifties or sixties. You can relate more to me because we've probably gone through the same financial things or the same school struggles or there's just that that uh, connectability between, yeah. uh, the, you know, somebody in our age range instead of somebody who's 50 or 60 years old. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally feel you. And, you know, I'll, I'll take you calling me young anytime. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I think I am still young, I guess, as far as that's concerned. I mean, I'm 39. Um, oh, yeah, man. Yeah, but, you're young. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I, I've always kind of thought differently from, from other people. Um, so I think I kind of bridge that gap. I mean, in my opinion, because like my 18 year old daughter, uh, she's also very into politics and, you know, she got to vote for the first time in this past election. And because I was able to connect with her, like throughout her life, uh, you know, she's actually excited about politics as an 18 year old, like I was. Uh, but I also, you know, kind of know how the old school, you know, guys work and, you know, the decorum and, you know, how you have to, you know, conduct yourself in, in you know, circles of older people. Uh, not that I take on a different shape when I'm in different crowds. I'm the same person, whether I'm yeah. talking to 80 year olds or whether I'm talking to 18 year olds, which puts a lot of 80 year olds off. But, you know, I mean, that's, that's just the way, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, like we said earlier in the, in the uh, live stream, we, we don't need any more of these career politicians. We don't need people who's trying to read the room to see, uh, you know, what what's going to get them the most uh, claps and handshakes. Uh, we need people who are going to be real and people who's going to, you know, say what's real, man. I know on, on our show, Raw Take, you know, we say a lot of things that people don't like, but you know, we we try to we keep it fact based. Like we look at the facts, and then we give the people the facts. And you know, sometimes you can't accept the facts. And you know, I think that's what's wrong with that's a problem with the Democratic Party. Like we try, like they may look at something and then they try and like kind of hide it or gloss over it. Like you know, like the polling on on like a living wage or or med, med, uh, marijuana or uh, Medicare. You know, those are things that that are polling very high. In our, in our, uh, between the 30 and 40, well, hell, that's like a, that's a all age, um, issue because people, you know, people are going to get sick. You're going to, you're not going to always be healthy. And so stuff like that is, is super important to people, you know? And so, you know, as you know, who cares if you call yourself a progressive, I, I like what you said, as long as you're progressing the narrative and progressing the narrative and, and fighting for what the people truly want. I think that's that. I think that's great. Yeah. Uh, well, Archie, is there anything you want to ask, man? Oh wait, uh, Chase, first, I didn't mean to cut you off. What you about to say, bro? Oh, you. Well, I was just saying. You know, I think one thing we also need to realize is, especially with with like younger people trying to run for office, um, I think that a lot of the politicians that are in power today, when they ran, they probably had the best intentions. Uh, you know, had noble intentions, and the machine got them. Yeah. Uh, so it's not just about, you know, being an outsider and running, you know, as a common man because or a common woman as a common person. Yeah. Uh, it's really about sticking to that uh, after you've been elected. 
Uh, and I mean, I can tell you now that, that I'll do that, but unless you as a constituent are holding me to it, which our constituents do not, then I can run with that all day long. And then I can be like, okay, big money, big money. Uh, so, I mean, I think that's one of the big things is that people need to be getting involved and, you know, talking with their representatives, because if the community is not involved, there's nothing stopping that representative from being tainted, no matter how, you know, positive their, their message or intentions were at the beginning. Well, yeah. I, I was, I think that, um, yeah, people have to get involved and, and get to know the, the uh, candidate, the representative and everything. Uh, but I still would say that it's it's still the representative's job to stay true to course, um, whether the people are, click with them or not. You still get in the office to do a job, and if you have policy, if you have standards, you should not let the lack of people participating with you stop you from doing those mm -hmm. things that you got in office to do. With all of that being said, as well, what? How you know what would be your next step? Let's say, I mean, we obviously know what your next step would be if you do win. But let's say if you don't win, what would be your next step from there? Would you like completely drop out and you know, of uh, of even being supportive, or what would be your next step after that? No, I mean, I think that would be the lamest thing I could do, uh, or that anyone could do. Um, you know, running for office should not be you know some you know, egotistical, you know, driven thing. Like if you're trying to make positive change and the first way that you try to make that positive change doesn't pan out, you don't just stop. Like you, you continue the cycle, even if you can't make it in your original path, you know, maybe that's later down the line, you know, mm -hmm. but if you just stop fighting for what you believe in, cause you lost an election, like you don't need to be in this game. Like, yeah, that's I just totally about agree. Because it's it's about you know a lot of politicians they 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 run for office because they want that title they want the position, and I think if they can take the position and the title without having to do the job then they would, uh, and that's the wrong kind of people to be in politics to have an office. Uh, we have to have people running that's that's true to themselves first and that's true to the people. Um, because there's it, it, too many selfish politicians in office right now. And that's that's why I'm really, really glad, you, you know, you talked about term limits because that's really important because mm -hmm. if, without term limits, man, we're going we're to keep having people in office that's just in office taking up a seat. They're not doing anything, just taking up a seat. Well, they're all doing one thing, filling their pockets. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I think that, I think that was a good answer. And, um, you know, if you start, if you start, that's the way you should continue. So if you start strong with good policy, good intentions, then you should continue after that. Even after you don't make it into office, there's still work to be done. Oh, uh, yeah. It's like, like me and Jen, you know, he has the pop initiative. We have this platform and, you know, this is our way of doing work, you know, by uh, informing people. And then with the pop initiative, you know, it's about organizing bridging the gap between the, the young and the old and um registering and also, people to vote yeah like registering that. people to vote but you know and also um making the people aware that you know the, the younger people matter too and they mm -hmm. have they 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 have some good uh 
political uh, instinct mindsets. You know, they they have they have they have ideas ideas that the older people just not going to think of. And you know, so if you if you bridge that gap, if you organize, you bridge that gap, and maybe maybe we can talk some sense into some of the older people. Not all the old people are just said in their ways, but you know, a lot of them are. And that's what we need to change. And and if you get in office, you know, you you are pretty young. I I just hate to be the one to tell you that, but you are. You know? <laughs> but that would be a start. You know what I'm saying? That would be a start. Um, because I, you know, I see it. Even the presidents, they just be too old. We need some oh, yeah. some young presidents. They be on. They be one foot in the grave, one foot. <laughs> the grave. Oh man! But uh, Chase, you said something really important, man. Uh, you know, constituents, uh, they are not involved in politics. People are. There's such a big disconnect between people and their politicians. I think you know. There's a a, a litany of reasons. I think, you know, people are just, people don't trust the system. Uh, people don't believe what the politicians are saying. You know, politicians have such a bad rap, especially here in America, which, you know, I, I don't blame the people because, you know, you have so many, you have, you know, you might have 95% bad politicians and you only got 5% good politicians. And, you know, that's around the whole United States. And yeah, you know, you got a lot of people doing good, but then, you know, you got some people in there, like we've been saying, who's just there to fill their pockets. And so if you are elected, what is one way that you will still try to engage with the, with the public to try and keep the, you know, continually bridge that gap? So, you know, like, you know, you'll, you'll be there, but they have to meet you. What, what is your plan for that? Well, so, I mean, one of the things that, you know, and I think it's my personality that, that I guess requires this of me. So if someone texts me or someone sends me an IM or whatever, or emails me, I have to clear that notification. Uh, it drives me nuts if I have the little red dots on any of the icons on my phone. <laughs> so I kind of look at, at public service the same way. Um, you know, we're always getting these emails, oh, email your, your senator, email your representative or call them or whatever. So, you know, I imagine my, my, my phone's going to be ringing off the hook. Obviously, I won't be there the whole time because I'll be, you know, doing another work. But, you know, I intend to have a way to address everything. Otherwise, I'm going to have trouble sleeping. Not just because I'd be someone's representative, just because I can't deal with unfinished business. I hate it. Yeah. Like, you know, if I set out to do something, I want to finish it. So yeah. if I've got a message waiting on me, I want to respond to it whether you know it's a response anyone wants or even you know it, sometimes it may have to be just a regular you know form email that just you know goes out but you know that's not the ideal way like i i really want to look at, at everyone's concerns um yeah. now obviously the way that a lot of organization happens is through the form emails that get sent to the representatives and you know once they've seen one they've seen a million of them so yeah. i mean i don't I don't think those are as effective as a means to, to actually talk to our representatives because they get so many that say the same words. And I mean, I understand it. it it's valuable, you know, because you load up their email with a hundred thousand emails and you know, like, okay, but after they've seen a few of them, they're not looking anymore. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, obviously my staff would not like me either because like I'd have them 
calling my attention to certain things. Uh, you look at, at the, the voting rights uh, stuff that happened you know, a few weeks ago, you know, 23 and a half hours that people were waiting to testify about it. And the overwhelming majority of the people were saying they didn't want this bill to pass. Well, whether I was a Republican or a Democrat, I don't, I don't care what my party says. If the people who decide to be active in politics, you know, because it is for the people. So whoever decides to be active, if the majority of them want a bill to go a certain way, I'm sorry, I've got to go with that. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, regardless of the issue, uh, yeah, I may have my personal preference. The party may have their personal preference, mm -hmm. but it's about the people. So, you know, they let people testify for all of these different bills. And well, not all of them. <laughs> Some of them, they, they, they like, no, we don't need any people input. I don't like that, but that's another subject. Uh, but I mean, you know, if you've got people testifying and you're spending hours listening to them, well, you know, don't just hear them, like actually listen to them. And if the people who elected you are saying they want this, no matter how much you may be against it, it's your duty to vote with their will, I mean, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, a, a, a friend of ours, uh, Liz Townsend, I know she went out there and I think she was one of the last people to speak. I think she she waited like that exact 23 hours to get up there and speak. And so, you know, we want to give a big shout out to Liz and and everybody else who was out there testifying, uh, you know, for for people who couldn't even get out there and uh mm -hmm. testify so you know a, a big shout out to them and you know though and those people are active in politics so and you know you want to listen to those people because those are the people who are constantly voting and and constantly yeah. being active in the political system uh this is one thing I, I would say and this is uh this is great for anyone listening uh town halls are wonderful i think mm -hmm. town halls I think we need more town halls. I think we need to get, I think the different uh, different organizations in wherever you're listening, listening to this to, uh, they need to, uh, uh, they need to uh, get with the candidates and uh, they need to hold these town forums so they can, you know, get questions from the constituents and ask them to the people. I, I think town halls are, are really, uh, they're really good and it, it helps keep the candidate informed with what the people are saying. So I, I think that's another uh, way. Cause you know, like you said, the emails, they get redundant and they almost look the same. You're like, didn't I receive the same email the other day? And it, it, it may start off the same, but the last end of it is um is completely different. So I think that's very important. Uh, Chase, I think that's very important, man. So yeah, town halls are, are really good to get the people out. And I think, I think town halls are a very good way to do that. The only problem with doing that while in a legislative session is representative yeah. during session just does not have the physical time. Uh, yeah. to, I mean, you, you can do online ones or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but I mean, I, I've, I don't know all the specifics because I've kind of looked into ways to do it. Uh, kind of my first thoughts were, you know, on my website, you know, which if I were elected, it would be the, the state's website, but I'd want, you know, some kind of like, not a poll, but something like that, some kind of sounding board. Yeah. Uh, you know, let me know your thoughts on, the, on this issue 
or, you know, okay, this bill is coming to pass or, you know, it's coming to vote on, on, you know, this date, this is what it does. You know, what do you think, you know, and have people subscribe to something, you know, if they don't want to, you know, get active by marching to Washington or marching to Austin or, you know, emailing their congressman or whatever, you know, if they're on a mailing list, which I know people hate getting spam mail and, you know, people still are not that interested in local politics, but I mean, the ones who are, if they had a sounding board to, to at least address issues or if there's something that's not coming up, say, well, hey, can we, you know, look into this? And, you know, I, I'm never going to promise that I can, I'm going to pass a bill or I'm going to introduce legislation or anything like that, because I think anyone who does promise you that is a liar. Uh, but, you know, I can say that if someone gives me a suggestion about something that's important to them, I will take the time to look it up, research it, yeah. and, and see, you know, the different options. Nothing may ever come of it, but it could, you know, uh, change the face of, of a certain industry or whatever, or, you know, help that person in immense ways and help tons of others. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know all the details. Uh, I'm not going to claim to know everything about it, but, like, if I just think there can be some kind of sounding board uh, or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, to, to hear from the people. I, I think, you know, the government should be able to create something like that. But, you know, they don't want to, you know, our, our whole system is built the way it is to keep Republicans in office, especially in Texas, because like Beto says, I believe Texas is a blue state. Texas is just not a voting state. And so if we were to get, I think he says there's like 3 million people that's uh, you know, unregistered to vote. If we were to get those people registered to vote, Texas would be blue as I don't know what. You know, Texas has a long history of being blue with uh, Governor Ann Richards, right? If, if Yeah, so I think, what, back in 94, that was like the last time. So, you know, Texas was a democratic state for a long time. And I, I think we can get back to those roots, but we have to get people uh, motivated. We have to get people activated to vote. Uh, you have to, and you do that with policy. You can't just vote for me because I need you to vote. Like you have to give give the people a reason to vote. Like why do I want to vote for you? Why you have to energize people to the polls. So yeah, man. Yeah, yeah I mean, we, and, and you I mean one thing that we also have to realize though is, you know, the Democrats, you know, thirty years ago. Mm -hmm don't necessarily hold the same values that they that they do now um you know and, and yeah texas has a long history of being a blue state and you know even further back you know before the the switching or the kind of i guess switch up of policies and whatnot you know, it yeah. was very blue uh but that's not necessarily a good thing um you know i, I so okay that kind of leads me to something like my first my first tweet was actually uh, against a Democratic House member, uh, a bill they proposed, uh, HB 49. Mm -hmm. um, and basically that was to reinstate uh, straight party voting. Hmm. Well, I mean, and I know that's kind of a big thing on the Democratic docket, like they want straight party voting again. I think it's a horrible idea. Um, yeah. And the reason being First of all, it allows voters to be lazy. It allows them not to look up any of the issues, not to know who their candidates are. It's like, well, I'm a Democrat, or I'm a Republican, so I'm gonna check this one box and I'm gonna be done and I can go on with the rest of my day. Uh, so I think it kind of fuels that type of apathy towards politics, which is bad. Um, it also, 
um, it also makes it a lot harder for any third or fourth parties to have any kind of viable option at you know having any kind of spot. Yeah. Um, I think that if we had more parties that actually had viability, I think our country and our state would be in a lot better shape because right now we've got two wings of one bird. And even though they both go in different directions when they're the only <laughs> one flapping, it's, it's the same machine. Yeah. And if, if we make it more accessible for, you know, libertarians and green party and stuff like that, and actually make them an option, yeah. well, guess what? Democrats wouldn't have had to break quorum uh, twice in these sessions. Uh, people would actually have to hash out ideas and come to some kind of agreement instead of just saying, oh, well, I'm a Republican, so this is how I'm voting, and I'm a Democrat, so this is how I'm voting. If we had more, you know, thoughts going into this whole, you know, thing, so that, I mean, that's, that's my take on that, and uh, so that's kind of why I'm not, you know, true blue, yeah. and, you know, but I'm not red. Uh, yeah. I just, I think there need to be more voices uh, you know, sounding out what, what, what they think. Yeah. Chase, you're saying a lot of things that we say on the show, man. It's all about really at the end of the day, it's about the policy that you're proposing. It doesn't matter if you're blue, red, green, yellow, it, it all, it's just a color game. You know, that, that doesn't matter. It's what you're fighting for at the end of the day, what the policies that you're proposing and how those policies will like progress change and affect people's lives. In, in a positive way. So I, I really love that that's uh, one of the themes of your uh, campaign, man. Like it, it doesn't matter like if you're red, blue or whatever, it's really about the policy and it's about, you know, standing up for the people, man, because uh, so much of our politics is just so away from that. Yeah. And it's, and like you said, man, that, that voting blue straight down, that, that, like you said, it continues that, that apathy of politics, you know? Oh, I, I, I did my job, I, I voted blue, but you know, the person in blue could be uh, taking away your Medicare, you know what I'm saying? Or, 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 or something like that. So I, I definitely think, yeah, man, we need, we need more people in politics that, that have that same line of thinking that, you know, I, you know, I hate that vote blue no matter who. And, you know, I, I was like, so what if Hitler was back, you know, hell froze over, Hitler's back on earth, and he's running as a Democrat. Is it still vote blue no matter who? Like, no, like that's, that, that's insane. That's asinine for, for us to even say that. But, you know, I feel like in the era of Trump, you know, it was like, if you wasn't a Democrat, then you were a Republican. And it was like, that's, that's not how, that's not how politics work at all. And mm -hmm. I think there's a way to critic, um, like critique, there's a way to critique the Democrats from a, I guess you would say a, a left-wing position instead of critiquing them from a right-wing position. Like, you know, you can critique them because they're not going far enough because they're not expanding um, Medicare enough or Medicaid enough or, you know, legalize, legalizing marijuana. Like you can, you can critique the Democrats from that angle. Because mm -hmm. those are all common sense positions, especially, you know, the way our society is in right now. And it's just, and it's only getting worse. And another thing I want to ask you, because uh, our, our time is running short, uh, how do you feel about climate change and all the things that's happening, not even in our state, but around the world? I know last week we saw mudslides in Germany. They had 
these mm-hmm. huge floods. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, like you, I, what you would do for climate change. Well, I mean, so I think that the biggest you know, climate change issue in Texas, or at least that Texas has any control over, is oil and gas. Yeah. Um, unlike many Democrats, I'm not anti-oil and gas. Um, like fracking, for instance, if it is done properly and the way that it's supposed to be done, it does not cause very much, like it doesn't cause environmental harm, like, you know, is, is being, you know, spread around in a lot of left-wing channels. Um, it's when it's done wrong or when it's done shoddily that it can cause catastrophic, uh, you know, environmental issues. Uh, just like offshore drilling. I mean, we saw we saw the Gulf of Mexico looking like uh, the flame, the gates of hell, yeah. um, you know, not too long mm-hmm. ago. But that was due to error. That was due to negligence. That was due to, you know, the company not doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. But actually offshore oil rigs, they do more for, to, for positive change for the Gulf of Mexico than they do to hurt it in most instances and a lot of people don't realize like that natural gas is seeping up already and if it's left untapped it will you know create dead zones of of different you know animals and species and stuff and make it where you see all those slicks and stuff like that so you have to tap it in order to release it and then if they if they down the rig once it's done and they do it properly it actually promotes environmental growth around that rig uh because of different stuff, you know, on the metal and all. Yeah, yeah, the eco life, and you don't have the oil killing, killing things. So I, I can definitely understand that, uh, that standpoint, man. Yeah. Right. So I mean, I, I think you know, because you know, big oil always seems to be kind of the enemy, um, mm-hmm. you know, for for Democrats. I, I don't think they're all the enemy. I think if we reward responsible, you know, environmental behavior by oil and gas companies, and reward, you know, solar. Uh, and, you know, wind initiatives and stuff like that. Uh, so, you know, kind of reward diversification. Uh, I think that, that, you know, we can all coexist and, and, and do better for the planet. Um, you know, as far as uh, when they mess up, well, that's when I think you, you've got to jump the penalties up. Yeah. Um, because, you know, right now they get all this, you know, tax breaks and stuff like that. And if they mess up, oh, well, you know, maybe we have to pay a few lawsuits or whatever. But as far as, gov- you know, the government's concerned, they get a slap on the wrist. Oh, don't do that again. You made us look bad. Like, yeah. you know, if they screw up through negligence, you know, let's let's up the, the damage. And yeah. if they're doing what they're supposed to and they're diversifying and they're, you know, helping, you know, create green and sustaining energy, well, by all means, give yeah. them their tax breaks. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, I guess, a weird vantage point uh, to be hearing from a Democrat, I think. But being a Texan, I, I think it's a common sense approach. Well, I think just like with guns, uh, you know, I, I, when I have one-on-ones with candidates, I always tell people, like, if you're running as a Democrat, like, don't even touch the gun thing. If, 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 if you want to run on guns, like, oh, you know, I want to ban AR-15s. Like, that messaging is never going to work in Texas. Uh, I mean, I have guns. I, I mean, I'm a gun owner. I, I like guns. So, I, no, I, I just, 
you know, and I think there's a lot of people who do responsible gun ownership. Uh, yeah. you, know, you, you know, you will have your, your, your cracks through the system, but I think overall, especially here in Texas, because guns is like part of the culture here in Texas. It, it, it's what we have down here is very different, very different. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you can't really apply that, uh, that blanket, uh, like kind of messaging all over the place because it's just some places it's not going to work. And I, I think that kind of applies to oil and gas. I just want our system to just, like you said, like if they mess up, they need to be held accountable. They need to be, penalties need to be harsh. I mean, real harsh, like, oh, shoot, like maybe we shouldn't do this again. Like we got to, we got to, you know, dot our I's and cross our T's. Uh, and I also think, you know, we do need more uh, solar panels and stuff like that. And then if you have companies switching more to that, then yes, uh, incentivize them because, you know, th- that's the right thing. And that's what we want more companies to do. So if you see Shell or Exxon doing that, you know, give them their props, give them, you know, give them their flowers. But when they screw up and, you know, they got an oil leak or something like that, then drop the hammer. That's what, that's what. They, you know, we have such a business friendly economy and I understand that, but, you know, you have to hold these people accountable. I mean, and, you know, you look at back in like the beginning, like the turn of the century back in like the, uh, like nine, like 1900s, you know, they held the companies accountable. You know, they, they broke, they broke them up because they saw the monopolies, they saw the corruption and they broke them up. And I think that's definitely something that we need to get back to just holding companies are more accountable and dropping the hammer when they mess up. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you also mentioned something that, that, you know, brings up something, you know, to my mind, you know, you're talking about mobile shell Exxon, a lot of, a lot of, of neo-Democrats will say that capitalism is, is the enemy. Um, and I disagree with that. I don't think you can have the American dream without capitalism, but you know, yeah, like you said, we broke up the monopolies, but what we have now is oligopolies in every single different sector. Like you tell me any type of, of sector of business that, that, you know, regular Americans use at any given time that doesn't have a big four. I mean, your cell phone, you know, your cable provider, your oil and gas company that, you know, everything has a big four. Your, your, the planes, uh, you know, everything there's a big floor and when you don't when you have these companies that are just merging and you know becoming these super corporations and there's only four big ones well guess what you get this idea that oh i have a choice i can you know choose delta over southwest or whatever but you know they're really all hitting you at the same time because they're saying okay well this is what we're going to do and you get your yeah. market share you get your market share and a lot of people don't realize that they're like we don't have monopolies anymore no, we don't. We have oligopolies. And exactly. That's what's making the little man, you know, not have any voice. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, that's another thing we talk about here on the show. You know, uh, a 2014 uh, Princeton review says our, our uh, democracies more ran like an oligarchy. You know, we have these few people that we have the very small in the positions of power making you know, decisions for everybody. And, you know, our, our founding fathers never wanted that. And mm-hmm. so, and like you said, man, they get together in these backdoor deals and they, and they do this little, they do the little, um, I don't know how, I don't even know what to call it, but 
like, you know, up and down, like, oh, I go up and you go down, but then, you know, two months from now you go up. And so, yeah, man, it's a, uh, that's something that definitely also needs to be addressed. Yep. Uh, Archie, do we have any uh, comments from, uh, from, uh, from our, uh, from our people? No, we didn't have any questions or anything. Um, it's a good time to maybe ask if any, any viewers on, do y'all have any questions for, um, for Chase West, he's running for Texas state rep. Um, that means he's going to be representing us in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> it's and all just be... changes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, like in the Katy, in the Katy area, is that, is that where the bulk of your constituents are Chase? Um, population wise. Yeah. Um, by actual geography, it's about half. Uh, right now, my district is comprised of a, a big, like the most of the Harris County portion of Katy, um, mm -hmm. parts of Cypress, and parts of West Houston. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that, that that's a that's a very that's a wide district. Is it is it cut out funny? Is it gerrymandered like like crazy? It is, but not as as crazy as uh, some of the lines. As some uh, districts. Federal. Yeah. Um, yeah. it, it's, it makes sense. Um, okay. I mean, right now it makes sense. It's been the same for God, almost 20 years. Uh, I think the last time it really significantly changed was in like 2003. Okay. So that's good, man. So yeah, well, uh, you know, we're going to definitely get this video out to all the constituents of, uh, you know, West Houston, Cyprus, Katie, you know, because uh, they need to hear, they, people need to hear this stuff. Um, people need to like, kind of just break away from just the average like political line of thinking. People need to expand, people need to challenge their views. I see so many people scared to challenge themselves. And it's like, that's the only way you're gonna get better. You, you have to go through some kind of strife or just some kind of testing, uh, you know, it's been done throughout all throughout history. So that is a that is something that's very important. Yeah, Liz, uh, we have Liz on. She asked a question. She said, "Do you think Republicans are overconfident about winning uh, one thirty-two? Uh, I would imagine so. Uh, right now, uh, Mike Schofield is the representative for one thirty-two. Um, and I mean, I think he was shocked when he lost in 2018, uh, but his bankroll and his attendance in the Texas House when everyone was actually there uh, shows that he's he's pretty confident that he's got it, but uh, I'm not so confident for him. So, will, will, uh, if things continue the way they are, will that be the guy that, that you're running against? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah um, in, in previous years, like the most that any candidate had raised for their election was like $255,000. This past year, he raised over $1.5 million. So he's, he's coming into this next election pretty confident. Uh, but, you know, I think his record kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if he fell once, he can, he can definitely fall again. You know, people, especially if he's not doing anything, 
And and if your campaign like harps on that and like, look, he's he's back in office and he's not doing he's doing the same old, the same old, same old, uh, you know, that will definitely bring people on, that will get people reactivated in um, I think in this race. So well, I, I, mean, I think he did, uh, he did do something. He did vote to make it legal for golf carts to drive around neighborhoods. So I mean that's something. We got to give him some credit because that was important legislation and he made sure it got passed. And three weeks ago, you know, he introduced a bill to make uh, Texas observe uh, daylight savings time year round if the US Congress allows it. So, I mean, he's working pretty hard. <laughs> hey, golf carts in neighborhoods? It's a very important issue, Gian. Like, don't take it lightly. Wow, so if people start getting hit on them golf carts, then <laughs> Oh, don't worry. He sponsored so many frivolous lawsuit uh, legislation that, you know, he'll make sure they don't get what they need. <laughs> wow. This is what our this is what our politicians are worried about. It's just, man, that that is asinine. Yeah. That is asinine. So Chase, man, tell the people, uh, you know, about your platform, because we're about to head out of here, where they can find you, uh, all that stuff, man. Um, I mean, you know, like we've kind of been talking about, my platform is, is pretty much uh, along Democratic lines, uh, except for on a few key issues, but it's, it's really not far off. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, pro-expansion Medicaid, I'm pro-legalization marijuana. Um, along with that, I'm pro-releasing the nonviolent drug possession offenders that, you know, the state's spending 42, was it 42 billion dollars on? No, 42 million dollars uh, a year on just to incarcerate. Uh, so yeah, I'm for that. Um, I, I'm, I'm just pro the average person. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm just tired, and, and, and like I'm not too tired to keep fighting, but I'm, I'm just tired of regular people not having any say, and that's really what I'm running on. Um, the website is www.west4fortx.com. Um, Twitter is west4tx uh, at west4tx. Uh, Facebook is at west4tx. Uh, trying to get that, you know, branding down to where it's just the same thing for everything. Yeah. Um, yeah man. But yeah. And I mean, if anyone has any personal questions for me, they can email me at chase at westfortexas.com. Uh, I'd be glad to respond. I've already had a few people from different parts of the state email me about this and that. And I, you know, I responded to them. They haven't responded back. I think they were a little shocked. But uh, yeah, like don't hesitate to reach out because you know, I'm not here for myself. I'm here for you know the people that I live around, and if in office for all of Texas. Exactly, exactly, man. So that that is that is beautiful, man. And uh, we need more. Uh, I, I know you said uh, average or common people, man. But if if that's what it's going to take to to rescue and save this system, then we need more average and common people and more young people. And so we're going to put all of Chase's uh, info in the description. Y'all be sure to hit this man up. Uh, Y'all, you know, just ask him his questions. Donate if you can. 
uh, because we just we need more young people. We need more active people in office. And so, Chase, I want to thank you for coming on the show, man. Thank you for giving us your perspective. Thank you for giving us your raw take on things. Uh, man, yeah, this was a great interview. Uh, I want to tell everybody before we go, like, comment, and subscribe. Hit that notification bell so you don't miss out on any uploads. Y'all have a blessed day. And also, you can find us anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Peace.